0: To everyone joining us online, good morning and welcome. I have four lessons that I want to share with you this morning, which God has taught me over this last month. They've been really helpful to me in a time when I've needed extra help, so I'm passing them along because I think they could be helpful to you too, no matter who you are. But especially for those of us who are Christ followers, I share these lessons because we are responsible for paying attention to what God is saying, especially when things are hard as they are now, and the truth is, God is speaking, and we should do our best to listen. Every morning this past month, I've been praying that God would teach me, and he's been answering those prayers through the people I meet while I run. Each of the four lessons I'll share came through conversations with folks I had never talked to before, and each has been a gift to me that I'm happy I get to share with you. The first lesson, people are more open to God than you think. It was a brief interaction with a woman named Jane that made this clear to me. I've always had the habit of praying for people I know from church while I run, but at the end of March, since we hadn't been meeting face-to-face, I decided that I'd pray for the people I passed while I ran. It made me feel like I was being a pastor right where I was. One morning, I was in a neighborhood on the other side of town when I came up over a rise and there was a woman walking by herself who looked sad. When she saw me, I said good morning. She smiled. And then I had this strong feeling that I should slow down and ask her how I could pray for her. Now, this is not something I normally do. But it felt like I had to ask her. So I slowed down. Excuse me, I said, while I am running, I'm praying for everyone that I pass. Can I pray for you? Now, she seemed surprised, but she said, yes, of course you can. So I asked her, what can I pray for? She said she was thankful for her health and for her families too. Pray that we will continue to be safe. And then she thought for another moment and pray for the whole world. It's so terrible what's happening. Pray for everyone who's sick. As I ran off, she called out, great way to start my day. Thank you. Now on that run, I spoke to 15 more people, all of whom I'd never met. And each one was grateful that I asked and gave me something specific to pray for, and I did. People are more open to God than I thought. Because we all feel more vulnerable and uncertain, and we see our dependence on things that are outside of our control more than we ever have, so our hearts are more inclined toward the transcendent and toward the divine. Of course, there are exceptions. There are folks whose headphones say, leave me alone, so I don't ask them how I can pray. I don't want to be obnoxious. None of us should be. But I have maintained this practice over the past three weeks. A dozen conversations. Each time I run, and the outcome has been consistent. People are open to God, more than I would have guessed. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, this time of openness puts you in a position of responsibility. It's time for you to be intentional about letting your light shine. We know that Jesus is the light of the world who comes to dwell in all who have faith in him, who trust in him, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he promises to burn in us like a flame in an oil lamp. That's why he told the disciples that they are the light of the world. Now, listen carefully to Jesus' instruction to those who bear his light. This is Matthew 5, 15. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. Jesus dwells in you so that you will shine his light for others to see. And now is a time to uncover the light. If you tend to keep your faith hidden, don't do that now, let it shine. Maybe you also run and you can also pray for the people you pass by. When you do, you're showing them that God cares about everyone, not only people who go to a church building. God has time for each person and is concerned about what's happening in everyone's life. This is the light you shine when you ask people how you can pray. And maybe that's not your thing. Okay, find another way. Maybe you have a friend whose son is finishing college off at home instead of out on campus where he wishes to be. Send him a care package and put a note in it that tells him about how your faith helped you get through a time of disappointment. Or maybe you hear about a neighbor who lost her job. Drop a bag of groceries off on her doorstep once a week. Put some money in an envelope and write a note that says you're praying that God will provide and give her peace. Let your light shine. People are open So it's time to put the light on the lampstand. That's the first lesson. Now, the second lesson. God taught me this one after two weeks of running and taking prayer requests. I was downtown on Springfield Ave. I slowed to ask a man whose name was Eric how I could pray for him. At first, he looked confused. And then I explained, and he said that I should pray that his family would not get evicted and would have enough to eat. And then after an awkward pause, he asked me if I had any money to give him so that he could buy groceries. It was the first time that I had a request like that. I live and run in a town where many people have jobs that enable them to work from home. And the people I'm crossing paths with in the morning are mostly pretty well off. They're scared for their health and for their loved ones but almost none of them have been forced to choose between their safety and putting food on the table. Not where I live. But that's not how it is for lots of people. The idea that this virus is a great equalizer is nonsense. It doesn't affect the rich like it affects the poor. We're not all in the same boat. Some are doing really well, enjoying a break from the commute or more time with the family, freedom to sleep in, dinner with the kids. But then for others, these days are profoundly challenging. Hour by hour, it's a struggle to survive. I told Eric that I would meet him out in front of the church building on Sunday morning to help him. And as I ran on and prayed for him and his family, I realized that God was teaching me something for our church. Now is a time in which our faith must make a tangible difference for people in need. It always should, but especially now. The second lesson God has taught me for where we are, the gospel must be practical. What we believe has to make a difference for people who are in need. Listen to these words from 1 John 3:18. Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Jesus commandment was that we should love one another as he loved us. His love is a tangible, practical love, a love in truth and in action, a love which rescues, delivers, and heals, feeds, and nourishes, and strengthens. For us to fulfill the law of Christ, we must love others by offering food as well as prayers. Later that morning, I reached out to Jim Bover from Ren Cares, and we strategized about how to provide grocery cards for people who needed help because of loss of income. Some of you are in a position like Eric, needing financial help because of the impact of this pandemic. If that's you, reach out and let us put the gospel into practice as a church that is working at serving Jesus. Others of you have not been affected all that badly. If that's you, You are responsible for using your strength to love others, not in word, but in deed. You also should reach out to Rencares to see how you can offer help. God wants the gospel to change the way we practice love right now. That's the second lesson. Now, the third. This one applies equally to all people. However this pandemic has affected you, whether you're doing fine or you're at your wits' end, this one I learned from a man named Charlie. Lesson three is your perspective matters. Whoever you are and whichever boat these circumstances have put you in, your experience of this challenge will be shaped by the perspective you choose to take, how you decide to see things. Of course, your view won't change what's happening out there, but it will definitely change how it impacts you in here. And that can make all the difference. Your perspective can turn disappointment into gratitude, dissatisfaction into contentment, hopelessness into hope. At the end of my long run on a Thursday, I met Charlie. And even from a distance it was clear that he was walking with difficulty. I asked him how I could pray for him, and he just smiled and said, I guess you can thank God. I'm grateful that compared to a lot of people, I'm doing as well as I am. I have Parkinson's. That's why I'm out walking. I have to keep moving. But it could be an awful lot worse. And then he added, Don't waste your prayers on me. Pray for people who are sick and who are out of work and who are stressed and anxious right now. Thank God I'm doing as well as I am. That's a man with a perspective that completely changes his experience of his own suffering. Now, whoever you are, you need to listen up. Everyone is free, like Charlie, to measure their well-being against how much worse it could be rather than how much better it could be. If you choose his perspective, you will find that even if your circumstances stay exactly the same, your well-being will increase. Perspective matters for everyone. But there's something more that comes with faith, especially faith in the resurrection, which believes that when Christ arose, God defeated every enemy, including the enemy of death. And we all know that death is still around, but faith in the risen Jesus gives a perspective which changes the quality of every challenge and every bit of suffering and every loss and even every death. Not that it doesn't hurt in the present. Of course it does. But the Christian perspective trusts that the suffering of these days is nothing compared to the goodness which is coming, and which, unlike these present struggles, will last forever. I mean the glory of the day ahead when God's victory in Jesus is fully realized and death is completely overcome and all that was good and has been lost will be purified by the fire of God's perfecting love and restored forever. The one who trusts Jesus is invited to let this conviction come into the present and change his perspective for every step he takes in life. Listen to the perspective of faith in Romans. This is 8:18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. Paul wrote that, not because the things he suffered were insignificant, he knew real trouble firsthand. He said this because he had learned the importance of perspective. No matter how heavy the sufferings of this present are, they are nothing when weighed against the glory that we will know when all things are set right in the end. When Christ is all in all and establishes a new heaven and a new earth and makes his dwelling among us forever. If you are a Christ follower, you should practice this eternal perspective in the present. And if you're not a person of faith, it's time for you to become one. It's time for you to give your heart to God in Christ, to turn toward him and ask him to be your Lord and pledge yourself as his servant. And then, Become a person of hope. Perspective is our third lesson. And now, one more lesson for this morning. This fourth one, I learned from a father named Roger. When I told Roger I was praying for people as I passed them, before I finished asking, he said, I need prayer more than anybody. He looked really worn down, and I assumed that he was going to tell me that he was sick. I asked him, what can I pray for? My son is a doctor. He works at Mount Sinai. He's been in the hospital every day for weeks, helping others who are dying. I'm afraid he's going to get sick and be the one who dies. I just wish I could be with him. I wish I could protect him. I told Roger I thought his son and people like him were heroes. Stop talking or I'm going to start crying, he said. So I ran on and I began to pray. Now, while I was praying, I wondered if Roger's son had any idea at all how much his father loved him. And that got me thinking about all the people I know, my friends, my family, my parents and my children, the folks I know from church and the people I used to know but haven't talked to in a long time. I wondered if any of us know how much we matter to the people around us, how beloved we are, Most people have no idea how much they matter to the people who are close to them. And that's the fourth lesson God taught me. We are more loved than we realize. By the people in our families who have a hard time showing us what we mean to them. By our friends who feel awkward telling us how much they care about us even by the people that we used to see day in and day out before we were all forced to stay separate. Human beings chronically underestimate how much they are loved, which is sad. But then as I ran along, thinking about all of this and praying for Roger's son, I had a moment where it was like God spoke to my heart in an unusually clear way. Christian, I love you like Roger loves his son, and even more. And I love Roger, and I love his son, and I love the people that he's trying to save in the hospital, and I love everyone that you've seen while you've been out on your run, and every person that you've talked to and the ones that you haven't. I love them all more than you could ever know. We are all more loved by God than we realize. In fact, the scriptures give us the sense that none of us know how deeply God loves us. And only if there's a miracle of God's grace and power could we begin to grasp how beloved we are. That's why Paul had to pray that God would make his love comprehensible. Listen to this excerpt from Paul's prayer in Ephesians. This is chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." Being filled with God's fullness is equivalent to grasping how much God loves you. We are all more loved than we realize—everyone. And that's the fourth and final lesson for today. Now, sharing these with you has been a gift to me, and it's made me feel so thankful for each person who's spoken to me while I run and for each person who God has used to teach me. I hope that spending time thinking through these four lessons has been helpful to you. If it has been, thank God and share these lessons with others who might be helped too because this is a time when we all need all the help we can get. Let's close our time together with a prayer. God, I thank you that when we ask you to teach us, you do. And I thank you for the surprising ways you help us see what we need to see. God, for the joy of running in the morning and for the surprise of meeting so many kind and benevolent people, I thank you. For each one whose story I shared this morning, I give you great praise and I ask your continued blessing. For the many others I've met, but who I've not named this morning, I ask that you would continue to draw them closer to you. And I ask that the light that you have put in me would shine so that they are drawn to you. God, for everyone who's listened this morning, I ask that you'd help each one of us take these lessons to heart. And I pray that you'd change us so that we can be your people in a new way for this new time that we find ourselves in. Protect us, inspire us, fill us, And most of all, God, assure us of the love that you have for us in Christ. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.